0: To Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 and something that I've been thinking about for several weeks now and I'd like to just talk about how we deal with bitterness and how do we deal with toxic waste in our soul and how we deal with... Um, Sometimes the the broken waters that we have in our soul, and I think every one of us has this. And Galatians chapter five verse one, and I want to read this to you. Wednesday night we were here. Last Wednesday night we were here, um, and just had a great time of fellowship. It was so good. Uh, some really good input from everybody. Uh, my wife had a really good word. She shared a few things. Pastor Adam, um, I shared, and we just had a real good time of fellowship afterwards. And um would like to encourage you to join us if you can. Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. here. We're only here for about an hour or so, and then, and then it's over. So if you have little kids, you can get them home and get them to bed for school the next morning. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And I'm reading this from an interlinear that I have. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Not for bondage. God has not saved us for bondage. God has not saved us for uh, slavery. God has not saved us for manipulation or uh, toxic relationship. God has set us free so that for the sake of for the purpose of being free. And Paul says here, stand firm, therefore, and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. I think that when we look at the love of God, and when we look at God's love, when we look at the way God loves us, um, We may ask him, why do you love us? What's the purpose of our salvation? And of course we know to be conformed to the image of Christ and to display Christ to a broken world. But Christ has set us free for freedom's sake. Christ has not set us free to put us into a program that is a program of bondage or slavery or manipulation. And Paul is saying this to the Galatian church. And he says says that, be, stand therefore firm in your liberty and don't be enslaved again to the yoke of bondage. And there's just four things I want to say um, inter- introducing this thought. Number one, I think when people get saved or when they receive Christ as their Savior and begin a new walk, uh, we take with us some toxic baggage or wounds, things that have happened in our past that are part of us, that are part of our thinking. And we walk into the body of Christ. We come into the body of Christ with these spiritual chains that kind of keep us limited, that kind of keep us uh, from experiencing a true freedom, and that true joy that we have in the body of Christ. And some people, men or women, who suffer from a poor self-image. But what is a poor self-image? A poor self-image is, the, is what you and I live with when we don't understand who we are in Christ. A poor self-image is when we think less of ourselves or more of ourselves than the way God looks at us. A poor self-image is something that happens when, when we don't understand our value of our soul. And this can happen in a young person's life very easily. And when we don't understand our, the value of our own soul, then that can attract toxic personalities. I don't want to talk about sociology here. I don't want to talk about psychology. But I do want to say that when we don't understand our personal value and our personal worth, then we're attracting unhealth in our life. The illustration's been given once that, that um, if you take a can of Coca-Cola and you open it on a hot summer day and you put it outside, just put it outside for a little while, within minutes you're going to have bees and flies just flying around that. Why? Because the sugar that's in the air, the sweetness, or, or something that's in the air that you and I can't smell, but that insects can smell, it actually attracts them. And within minutes you have you just have flies inside of your Coca-Cola and you have... You have um, bugs in, in your drink. And what happens is, is that when you and I don't understand the health that we can have through the word of God in our soul and understand of our own worth, then we start to attract spiritual insects. We start to attract things in our life that are, that are just not God's high thoughts for our life. We attract, and it's because there are people out there, believe it or not, there are people in this world that really look out for broken and needy people so that they can take advantage of them for their own ego's sake. That sounds really weird, but it's true. And we call that narcissism. A narcissistic individual who is living in their fallen personality and they're worshiping themselves. They're, and they're living a, a, with no understanding of the selflessness of the cross of Jesus Christ. Look for personalities that they can prey on. And it's so important for us to understand who we are in Christ. So that we would not live in some kind of lower image of ourselves and that we would start to that we would start to settle for things in our life that are so much lower than god's mind we got that you got that it's so important that our kids i want my son and i want i we want our kids to understand their personal value because if they don't understand that then they're going to be things that are just going to be these low hanging fruit in this in the world that'll try to take that'll try to take our kids that'll try to, to, to steal something from from our kids and from ourselves too and we need to understand our personal value because if we don't then what will happen is, is that we're going to find ourselves like an open can of coca-cola there's just we're going to for some reason we're just going to we're just there's going to be this attraction in our life of of just broken people you've ever ever meet someone that they just it just seems like that they're always in trouble and i know that there's times in our life as a as a person that we have trials there are times when we have difficulties in relationships and god's working something into our life but you ever notice where someone is just continually living in this state of just difficulty and just bad relationship and just bad decision after bad decision? You know what it is? It's that they need to understand how God thinks with them, how God thinks about them. And this is what church is about. This is what the body of Christ is, that we can gather with people and we can be, reflect to each other who we are in Christ and who we are not in Christ. And then we can love each other with a high with a love of integrity and not a love of selfishness, what I can get from that relationship. Does that make sense? And so a spiritually malnutritioned person or, or soul starving for love may actually believe that they're not worthy of a healthy, godly relationship in their life. I know situations, and I'm sure that you have heard situations too, where someone is in a very bad relationship and they are they won't leave that relationship because they don't feel that they deserve anything better than that. That they actually deserve this bad relationship. I know one situation that that is happening and it's so heartbreaking and they may not even think that they can get out of this relationship because of a sense of chronic guilt and they just stay in a poisonous relationship. I want to say that that's not God's will for us. That's not God's will for your life. And one thing that we want to understand, and I'll say it again is our value as a, as a creature, as a, as a, as a person that has a soul that's been purchased by the the highest currency in the universe, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's the gospel, by the way, is that the world thinks you're trash, that you're edible, but Christ does not think that way. God does not think that way about us. And so three things I want to say here this morning. I just want to talk about the toxic heart. This is going to get positive in a minute. Number two, um, toxicity in our heart is actually infectious. And then number three, what is the solution? All right, what is the solution? And I think, you know, it's funny, we were joking on Wednesday night. The solution to in all, you know, all of our messages are always the same. <laughs> it's just there's never a different solution. Number one, our heart is toxic. And when we think about where does toxicity come? You know, where does toxicity come in society, in politics? Where does it come from? It actually comes from a fallen human heart. And we teach and we understand that the Bible says that all men are depraved, that we are all we all have a fallen nature. We're born again. We're saved. We are in the, we are in Christ in the highest. We are actually with his righteousness. When God looks at us, he sees his son, his, his own righteousness. Yet At the same time, there is a part of us, this old man, this fallen nature, the old programming, the old operating system that has all of its errors and, and, and dysfunctions and breaks it falls apart. It's called the old man or the toxic heart. And if you would turn with me to Mark chapter seven, I want to look at a couple verses with you. Mark chapter 7, verse 20 through 23. Mark chapter 7, verse 20 through 23. And this really talks about um, the state of our heart um, without Christ. This is the state of the old heart. This is the heart of stone that we read about in Ezekiel 36, verse 26. I'm reading from Mark chapter 7, verse 20, and it says this, what comes out of a man that defiles a man from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within and defile a man. That's really not great news. And that's not really a great picture of a person when we want to believe that man is intrinsically, basically good. And we know that that's not true. I think the best of us, the best person, the most moral person that you know and that I know has all of these things inside of their heart. And maybe they haven't been revealed yet. Maybe circumstances have not come about yet to reveal that what's in our heart. Time will reveal that. But that's the old heart. But God has a plan. God has a provision and he wants to replace this heart with a new heart. And this is Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six that I will give you a new heart. And, and this new heart is God's provision for us that we would not live in toxicity. This new heart is, is something that is, um, that, that, is, that is oriented to the voice of God, to the word of God, to the, to the mind of God, to the voice of God in your life, to the Holy Spirit, to the people of God. And I think that toxic thinking begins anytime in our mind when we stop thinking in grace and we just stop, we exit walking by faith. You know, every day there's a reason for us not to take steps of faith. Coming to church in the morning is taking a step of faith. Stepping out by faith, Um, believing the best by faith, not listening to an evil report about a person or a church because we want to believe the best. Love believes the best. It does. First Corinthians chapter 13. When I listen to gossip, when I listen to negativity, when I listen to a just a a once a one short statement, a zinger about someone else, that's not first Corinthians chapter 13. That's toxicity. And toxicity is something that's in our heart. And we need to guard our heart, as the Bible tells us. And, you know, toxic thinking leads us to a place where in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1, remember where it says about the woman, a wise woman who builds herself up, but a foolish woman tears down her own house. That's what the devil wants us to do. You ever wonder why there's self-sabotaging in people's lives or in our own lives where we get something that's really great and God blesses us with something, and then we just think, you know what, I don't deserve this. I got to wreck it. You know, I can't maintain this. It sounds crazy, doesn't it? the 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 broken old sin nature is just is is a, is a wreck. There there there's actually a type of thinking out there that a person cannot live with godly blessing in their life, with success, or just um, just something wonderful in their life, because they actually don't think that they can maintain it. Does that make sense? I can't maintain this. I can't keep this up. I can't keep this. I'm afraid that somebody's you know gonna discover who I really am, and maybe. When we think that way, we're thinking outside of who we are in Christ. And so that kind of sabotage thinking, that toxic thinking, actually kind of wrecks something beautiful that God has given them. And that doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. It can be different. It can be different. Before I get to the solution, the second thing I want to say this morning is that this toxicity is infectious. It really is. Like when I talk to, when you and I talk to a toxic person, it infects us. It's like... Somebody with a disease. It's like someone that is, you know, that has something that that um, that wants to pass it on because it's just so broken. And and I think that the, the flesh and the devil just—he is so infectious. And there's a ver, there's a Greek word in the in the Greek language that describes the word evil, and it's poneros, which means it's something that's infectious. Like if you touch it, you're going to get it, you know. And this infectious is. Is, is this toxicity and, and, and this toxicity vestures when we interpret our circumstances from outside of a biblical point of view. Toxicity doesn't come in my life because I've had bad things happen to me. We all, I mean, we know people, I'm sure that you know people that have had very hard lives but they have sweet waters in their soul. They have a good confession. They just never give up their faith. They never throw in the towel. And they may not have very much but they always have a word of edification. Toxicity in our life is something that that, we, that, that, that festers in our life from when, we be, when we refuse to interpret the circumstances in our life from a biblical point of view, right? And that means like what Joseph said to his brothers when he said, what you meant for evil, what the devil meant for evil, God has turned it around for good. And that's how you and I can look at our lives. This is the escape from toxicity. Have you and I had something happen in our life that just is really wrecks us? I'm sure that every one of us has. Has the church disappointed us? Have, 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 have Christians disappointed us? Has our government or individuals or our neighbors or, or someone in our life really disappointed us? We can change the effect, the infection of toxicity in our heart when we begin to look at our circumstances from a biblical point of view. And that is, that is when I say, you know what, it looks like this by sight. But by faith it looks like this. Okay, it looks like by faith by this. Does that make sense? And when I just when I make when I make when I make a confession and call those things that are not as though they are. Is that who does that talk about in the Bible? Abraham, right? Abraham believed believed in a God he could not see. He he was looking for a nation, a city that was not built with hands. And he was leading his wife into a location where where like, you know, can you imagine that conversation when you're married, then you you know what I'm talking about. Or I don't know. Your husband says to you, hey, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna leave the Ur of the Chaldees, which is the cultural urban center of the world at that time, and we're just gonna go west. Honey, where are we going? I don't know yet. but <laughs> we're just gonna go west. But aren't we trying to have a baby? Well let's just do it and I don't know if we can have a baby on the road, you know. Like, can you imagine this conversation like having with with Abraham having with Sarah? Like he's she's like thinking, like, I don't know how this is gonna work, but yet Sarah by faith follows her husband. And I think that when when a wife follows her husband, like my wife has followed me by faith all over the world, I think that there's something that God gives a wife that cannot happen in her life outside of walking by faith with her husband. Does that sound does that sound right? Here's the question, would have Sarah had a baby if she didn't follow Abraham, if she kept Abraham back from just following God's call in his life? I don't know, maybe that she would, maybe she wouldn't have. But I know that God blessed Sarah at an old age with something that could have been, that was so impossible because of her walk by faith in her husband's calling. You know, because wives are a, a help me to a husband's calling. And that, and that is so beautiful. And I think that we can, trans, we can, we can interpret, our, our internal interpreter. Do you ever talk to somebody that's speaking another language and there's an interpreter there? And you're hearing this foreign language and you're like, I have no idea what they're saying. And then there's a translator and they're like, oh, I get it. Right? you ever have that? That's how it is with the Bible. We're hearing a lot of nonsense, a lot of babble from the world. We're hearing a lot of just broken things all around us at all, t- all times. And it's got to be foreign to us. It's got to be something that's, okay, that's foreign. That, that, I, I don't understand. I don't want to even understand that. In Romans chapter 16, it says, be simple about those things that are, that are good, that are healthy. I'm sorry, be, be educated about those things that are good and healthy. Be simple about those things that are evil. Just call evil, evil. Okay, that's evil. And I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I think there's this movement of conspiracy theory and YouTube videos and all that stuff out there. Like how deep does this evil go? And I'm not interested in that. Because it's just, when you fellowship with that, right? Didn't Nietzsche say you look into the abyss and, you, and if you look too long, the abyss is gonna look, look into you, right? There's like, what are we gazing at? And if, are we allowing the word of God and the grace of God to interpret our life? And if we do, then we're delivered from toxicity. And so, and, and I think that, you know, like toxicity can be transferred from a, a parent to their, to their child. It can be transferred to one person to another person um, in a relationship that's just outside of God's order. Like, you know, if, if, you, if a person, if you don't know who you are in Christ and you, we begin to gravitate towards someone who's, who is just narcissistic and we don't know it and we're deriving value from that individual and what will happen is, is that that person can at any moment turn because they don't value our souls. And this is what the devil does in the world. You know, we look at the world, we say, you know what, the world's gonna give me value. I'm gonna go through this process, I'm I'm gonna jump through these hoops, and then as a a person, I'm gonna start feeling value in my soul. But you know, the world cannot maintain that, because you and I, we are built for eternal, unconditional, unfailing love, unwavering love. And the world can't give that to us. The world can't give it to us. And as we look for that in the world, we're putting something on the world, an expectation that the world can never fulfill, and a person can never fulfill. And that's why we have to guard our heart. We have to guard our, our heart. Um, and so toxicity causes bitter waters. And anyone that drinks from these poisonous waters are the, 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 them, them themselves um, poisoned. What do we do with a person that's in a place like that? Here's a solution. First of all, we can't look at ourselves. We can't say, you know what, I'm going to go in and fix that situation. Because when we enter into a relationship like that with a broken person or a broken situation, then what we're doing is, is that we're portraying ourselves in a way that only God, only God can meet that person's need, only God can meet that situation. And so here's the solution, a relationship with God that can be intimate because of its stability and health. We are healed when we begin to understand our relationship with God is immutable. Our relationship with God doesn't ever change. God's never going to change his mind about you. Um, Michael read me a a great quote. Maybe he can read it at the the Q&A at the end. But um, it was just a really good, it was about, um, and I'm not going to try this. I'm going to let him read it. But I think when we are trying to be something and pray to be something that we already are, I think it's a ridiculous prayer. Lord, make me more like Christ. Well, you are in Christ already, Right? God, I need I don't feel great about myself as a Christian because I'm not meeting these standards. You already are there. Just think that way. Set your mind to things above. That's who you are in Christ. Walk out this love. Does that make sense? Christianity is not me about me attaining to another level of spiritual eliteness so that I can be loved and treasured and and more valuable in the church. No, you are already there. I think that so many things that there's so many times that we get into into serving God to do things so that we can feel better about ourselves. And that's never going to work, because the more we work for God, it's never going to be enough. It's the more we work, the more we need to work. Does that make sense? And so toxicity just causes this bitterness in our life and, and a healthy relationship with God, our intimacy with God, that we can fellowship with God. We can come to the throne of grace and commune with him at that table, knowing that we are bought with a price that we're healed and that we are loved. We look at the relationship that Jesus has with God. I love this. I love this. Um, When we look at healthy relationship, that quickens us, doesn't it? Maybe there's moments of self-pity where we just want to wallow in self-pity. And when we're at that point, you know what would be a good thing to do? A good way to get out of that is to send a text to somebody and build them up and tell them that you love them and, and, and just value them. Start thinking about people that are in a place of need, and let God God's compassion start to stir you up. Does that make sense? What, because if we live in negativity, when we live in negativity about when we live in negativity about ourselves, the way to get out of that is to step out and to love on people with the love of Christ. And you'll you'll be surprised at that moment. Um, at that moment, um, you'll be quickened. I remember when we were living in Poland. Uh, me and another guy, we we're Americans. We were staying in this apartment. We were missionaries there. And these were like these old communist apartments, and you could really hear everything. You know, like if you walked, if somebody was upstairs, they walked across the floor, you can hear every footstep. You know, sometimes you could hear people snoring <laughs> in the apartment next to you. It was really crazy, you know, and it wasn't fun. And I just remember, like, we were young, we were in our mid 20s, early 20s, and we we're kind of not, we're not, you know, we didn't, we hadn't crossed that level of maturity to understand that there's other people that live in the building. Other than me and this other guy, so we were sometimes kind of loud and we just and then Tuesday nights, I would have a prayer, prayer meeting at our, our apartment and we'd have like we had like thirty people show up one time in this small polish apartment and and the neighbor downstairs she you know she lived directly under us she was a widow, and she had this little small dog, like this chihuahua or something like that. it was just small it had no fur, it just had skin it was the weirdest it looked like a, it looked like a a troll or something like that you know we we, we you know when you walk up the stairs because there's no elevators you'd have to walk and I don't know why it is but greater grace well, all of us we always live on the top floor overseas like to get to our apartments like you know 45 floors up and we don't walk I mean we were always very healthy and I remember that you know every time we walk up these stairs that this this woman I don't know why but she had her dog outside her door sitting there with like a bowl of water and a bowl of food and that dog would just growl at us. Like I mean, it looked at us like it just hated, It just wanted to eat us for dinner, you know. And I mean, if you didn't, if you walked like, if you didn't walk along the side of the wall, it was gonna like start yapping. And, and it was just such an unpleasant experience every time we walk upstairs. And I remember just starting to to develop this like this angst, like this not a nice thought about this lady downstairs. I remember one morning just thinking, you know, wow, a missionary here, you know. I'm a missionary. here in Poland. We're traveling all over the place. We're going to Russia, you know, and we're preaching the gospel. And we can't even can't even love this lady downstairs, you know, like and because she would always yell at us. She would just come up, knock on our door. And 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 I just remember being in a place where like, OK, that's I just started thinking negatively about this woman. So me and this other guy, Brian, I said, you know, let's bake her a cake. I heard a preacher one time say or pastor said, you know, Bake somebody a cake that you don't like. Just bake them a cake and love on them. So we just thought, okay, we'll bake her a cake. Okay, get this: two single guys, right? We're good if we can scramble eggs. Like you know, we're gonna make a cake for her, right? In a Russian Ukraine, in a Russian oven. It was so small; it looked like a toy oven. So we're in there making this cake, and it, and it just, you know, it was a sorry-looking cake, and it just, of course, it, it fell. So the cake looked like it looked like the Tower of Pisa or something. Like it was just kind of leaning like that. And we thought, you know what, let's just add more frosting to level the top off, right? So we're just adding more frosting and, and just kind of, the, the cake didn't look, it turned into like more of like a, an oval, like a ball or something, you know? So it was just full and, you know, we just kind of, brought, and so we went downstairs, right, and knocked on the door and this lady, she comes to the door and man, she's just like, she had this look, like her and her dog had the same look, like this, <laughs> just wanted to bite, bite our head right off, right? And so we're like, we're standing, me and this other guy, he was short, very, very heavy, and we're just standing, he's bald, and I'm like, this skinny missionary, we're standing there, and like, she looked at us, looked at the cake, the dog made the same movements with her head looking at us, and, and they just started, she just started laughing, She's, you guys, she just started laughing, she tried not to laugh, but she started laughing, we said, ma'am, we just want to apologize, you know, we we're, we're just been sensitive, we've been loud, and so we tried to make this cake for you, you know, so we go in there, she invites us in and we start eating the cake and it's like, I had one bite and that was, I, I, she didn't eat any of it. She might've thought we were trying to kill her or something because it just tastes so bad. But you know, from that moment on, like when we just exercise a little, like, you know, grace and kindness and love and we just, Then we had a chance to minister to her and everything turned out great. And then we turned out from like, she would tell all her neighbors, like we were the worst people in the whole building to like, these are the greatest people in the building, like these people. And she would cook for us. And then it was so great. And I, you know, instead of being being toxified and infected by by toxicity, I think we were able to love on her in that simple way. A healthy relationship is one that we see demonstrated through Christ, who is the best lover of our soul. Because he was a creator of it. I think when we look at the life, when we look at the relationship of Christ with God and God with his son and the spirit, the Holy Spirit never talks about itself. The Holy Spirit says nothing about itself. It only talks about Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit only will lift up Christ. The Holy Spirit will only lift up the work and the finished work of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit will only talk about the plan of the father. And god's plan for a person's life and will only reveal to you and i about the work of the son and the love of the father the holy spirit never brings any 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 attention to itself and that's the self-sacrificial love in the trinity like if you look at the trinity you only see self-sacrificial love towards one of the, the son comes and does nothing of his own only from what his father says and and for what he hears from his father, right? His son has laid down his life for the father's plan. The plans, the father's plan is all, the father's plan for this world is to love on the world. John three verse, John three verse sixteen. And, and the Holy Spirit is so they're all laying down their lives. This is healthy. This is healthy relationship when we lay down our when we lay down our rights and our opinions and the need for us to tell people how, how right I was. Can you be? Can you and I be in a situation and not have to tell people that we were right? Oh, it's so satisfying. You know, I told you so. <laughs> giving that right up to not do that because of laying down our lives because we love and we value one another. When we look at the purpose of why we're on this earth in Romans chapter 8, the purpose is really that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. That's the purpose, that we would know God, that we would just know God, God's mind. And so God gives us a new heart, and I want to just finish with this. In Jeremiah 24, verse 7, God gives a new heart, a soft heart that is tuned to the frequency of God's thoughts and impulses. There's a part of us that can hear from God. There's a part of you that hears from God. We just spent month of January in prayer and fasting at different levels. And I think it was just a quiet time where we, I really got a lot out of it. And thank you for those of you that could join us and pray. I really sensed a lot of movement and things that God began to do and, and some answers that came and when we begin to listen to God, we begin to hear things from him that delivers us from toxicity, negativity and depression. I want to want to close with this one story, and this is going to illustrate really what I'm talking about. This is in, in Exodus chapter 15. If you look at that with me, Exodus chapter 15. And this is how God heals us from toxicity. This is how God heals us from toxic waters. Exodus chapter 15, verse 23. And I'm going to read through verse 26. And they came to Marah, and they were not able to drink water from Marah because it was bitter. Remember the situation here is that the children of Israel are marching through the, through the wilderness, and there's no water, and they're marching for days, and they're so thirsty. And they get to this place And the water was bitter. Probably it was salty or there was something wrong with it. They couldn't drink it. And therefore they named it Mara. I think that people and circumstances in their life are traveling in their journey of life. And they come to a place where they think they're going to be refreshed. They think it's going to be a blessing. But what happens is is it turns out to be very bitter. It comes out very different than the way they thought it was going to be. And they call that. In their mind they just think, okay, that was a bitter place. That was very bitter. And the people in verse 24 grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? What shall we drink? And verse 25, he cried out to Yahweh. I love that because I think Moses could have looked at the people. He could have thought, you know something, this is my fault. I brought these people out here. And then what does he do? He cries out to Yahweh. He cries out to Yahweh and Yahweh showed him a piece of wood and he threw it into the water. Now you may say, well, that doesn't seem to be very magnificent. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that doesn't seem to be very significant. That doesn't seem to be very um, important. But the wood, you guys know what wood stands for? Take a guess. What's the wood stand for? Tell me. Just shout it out if you think. Speaks about the cross, right? Speaks about the humanity of Christ. Wood always refers to humanity, the brokenness and the frailness of of humanity. It's from a tree which is planted, right? And then it just has so many significant, significant signs to what... Uh, A human being is, and and God shows Moses. He says to Moses, "Take that wood, take that tree, and cast it into the water." And you know something? When you and I are in a very bitter place in our life, when we are very, um, when we are toxic, we we are drinking from our own toxic waters. What is the deliverance? What is the solution? What is how do we get out of the bondage and the slavery that we have to these toxic waters? Is when we take the cross and we throw it into the water. When we take the cross and we apply it to our life. We take the cross of Jesus Christ and we apply it to that bitter situation. When Joseph takes the cross and he, and he applies it to the relationship with his brothers and he's still I'm sure he's still struggling with anger and, and uh, bitterness towards his, his brothers because they sold him to Egypt. We take the cross and we realize, you know something? Jesus had the most bitter waters to drink. Jesus had the most, he had the most he had the most to lose. He gave up the most. He was the worst. He was the most ill-treated person. He suffered the, the highest levels of racism because he was a Jew. And he was, and he was uh, crucified um, through, the, through the religious and the Roman government. He, was, he, was, he, was, um, he suffered so much, these bitter waters. And yet, what was the sweetness that he feasted on? And that was the communion with his father. He knew who he was in Christ. He began to he understood he was interpreting what was happening through the cross. He was he was interpreting that through the mind of God through a biblical point of view. When you and I can take the cross and say, you know something, that situation was crucified, that that sin was crucified, or what that person did to me was crucified. They are forgiven, and therefore I can release that. I can release. I can take the cross and I can I can apply forgiveness in my life to someone else. I can take the cross. And I can apply it to my own personal life if I failed. We can take the cross and apply it to a circumstance where not only our failures, but our successes are crucified. And that delivers us from toxicity. Any area of our soul that we don't surrender to the cross is an area that's going to sooner or later become toxic. And it's going to corrupt us from the inside out. And that's why we need to guard our heart and just take up the cross as our healer. I just want to say one thing about boundaries and relationships, and then then, um, then I'll close. When we talk about relationships, and I'm sure that many of you have read books on boundaries, right? And I think a good question can come up, well, if Jesus is on the earth and he doesn't want to be corrupted by toxic people, sinners or whatever, how does he do this? Because in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says, walk with the wise and be wise. But for, as for a companion of fools, he will suffer harm. Like if we walk with wise people, we're going to be wise. But if we're walking with fools, and fools in the Bible is a word that describes a non-thinking individual, someone who's not thinking critically. They're not thinking about the end result. By the way, if you ever want to be delivered from the power of temptation, just think about the end. Where's this road taking me? What's the end of this? What, going Where is this going to lead me to? And, is, and, and, and the bitter waters that are there. And so when the Bible says in, in Proverbs 13, verse 20, if you walk with the wise, right, you'll be wise. If you walk with the fools, you're going to be, you're going to suffer destructive relationships. But then there's this other verse in Luke chapter 5, verse 30, and it says this, And the Pharisees and the scribes began to complain to his disciples, saying to Jesus, about Jesus, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? What's the balance here? What's the balance between, like, staying away from the fools and yet at the same time, whining and dining, you know, and, and being with, the, with these tax collectors? And there's, I think, two, things that, two questions that we can ask ourselves. Number one, and this is going to help define the relationship. Number one, which way is the transforming flow going? My relationship with this unsaved person or these people that I want to minister to, which way is the flow of transformation going? Am I being corrupted by someone's flesh Or am I having a transforming effect and impact on that person's life? We need to ask ourselves that question. If I'm with a group of people and and I'm I'm beginning to tolerate things in my life that are destructive, self-destructive patterns in my life, I need to define that and just kind of exit that relationship or guard my heart and guard my relationship in that situation. Or if I'm with someone, like Jesus was with people, and he was touching lepers, right? And they were getting healed. He was with publicans and sinners because... What was in Christ was so much more powerful than what was in the corrupted corrupted world that he lived in. And the second thing is, is another question is, is the second question is, in these kind of relationships and defining our relationships, are either of us trying to fulfill a need of their flesh? Am I trying to fulfill a need in their flesh? Because the flesh can never be satisfied. And if we enter into a relationship believing, you know what, they're going to get better. They're going to get better. They're going to get better. And they're living in the flesh, and there's just no accountability, there's no transforming work going on in their life, there's, just, there's, no, there's no rebound or drawing near in the, in the relationship with God, that relationship is going to become very destructive. Am I trying to fulfill someone, someone's need in the flesh? Because if I try to do that, it's never going to work. I, and, and this is what Moses did. He didn't try to meet the need of, a, of the Israelites. He didn't try to meet their need. He said, you know what, guys, let's just keep walking, we'll find something else. No. He prayed, he asked God, God, what is your solution? What is your solution for their need? And I think that when we get into a relationship where we're trying to meet each other's needs in the flesh, it's codependency and it's destructive and it never works. And one person or both people are gonna get burnt out. A healthy relationship is when I, like Jesus, knew who he was and he communed with his father in a healthy relationship who he was himself healthy. There was this communion of giving and not taking. And as Jesus gave, he was being ministered to. As Jesus served, as he walked, he's being loved. God put people around him, Martha, Mary, um, Lazarus. He put people around. God will put people around you that are godly friends, that are not going to be taken from your flesh, but be reflecting who you are in Christ. So let's, let's guard our hearts. Let's, let's guard toxicity by applying the cross in our life and looking at Jesus Christ and that stable relationship that we have with him. You know, God takes broken people. And one of the, my favorite verses is in the Bible is that when when David said in the book of Psalms, it says that God takes the solitary, the lonely, and puts them in a family. That's one of my favorite verses. God takes, and there's a lot of spiritually lonely people out there. And you and I can suffer it sometimes. But we have a family. This is our family right here. Sunday morning, Wednesday night, getting together in homes getting together, doing outreach on Saturdays or whatever, serving one another, this is, this is the family. And if you feel solitary, it's okay. Draw near to the body of Christ. Draw near to health. Draw near to healthy relationships. Draw near to relationships. My wife and I enjoy, by the grace of God, relationships that we've had with people for 20, 30 years. That's, I mean, <laughs> that's unheard of in a lot of cases. Like, how many people in this world don't have relationships with people that last longer than four to five years, you know? Um, it is because it is because of the, the health that we find in the body of Christ. It's the health that we find in, in Jesus. And if you and I live in our self, in, in the worth of who we are in Christ, we're not going to gravitate towards destructive relationships or destructive behavior. Amen? So let's just close in prayer. And maybe we can sing um, one song together.